So I'm really pleased to be invited to speak today. Thank you, um, Holly, for organising this. Um, I think, as we've kind of hinted out, there is going to be a book. Very exciting. And the Amory Bathmaker, um, my supervisor, Jacqueline Stevenson, and Holly are editing. So look out for that. Um, my chapter will be on what I'm kind of going to cover today. Um, this, I should probably say who I am. Um, so I'm a final year PhD student at Sheffield Hallam University. And I'll talk a bit about the context of the study that Letters to Future Selves are part of, um, my doctoral research. But today I'm just going to be focusing on sort of one, one of the methods, um, Letters to Future Selves, that I've used in that study. And talk a little bit about how I think possible self theory works really well in trying to kind of explicate some of the things going on in these letters. So yeah, just a bit of background, context of my research. Um, so my PhD is actually longitudinal, so from a sort of master's background when I'd been interested in women and career building, um, I kind of discovered that there was a lot of assumptions around people who do PhDs, this kind of assumption that you'll necessarily pursue an academic career, that's something that individuals want when they start doctoral study. And I was really interested in kind of anecdotally experiences of my friends and colleagues that I had that had done PhDs and had really been interested in pursuing um, an academic career afterwards, but who actually during the course of the PhD decided that it wasn't for them. I went on to do other things. So I decided that a longitudinal study that kind of mapped how individuals' aspirations <coughs> changed um, during this period of intense study would be quite interesting. So I had to get going quite quickly, as you can imagine, with data collection with my participants and recruiting and all that kind of thing. So my participants are all women doctoral students. Um, they study PhDs, not any kind of professional doctorate. Uh, they also all study full-time, like myself, um, in terms of recruiting and the timescales of the longitudinal study. It worked best to recruit them um, from that particular group. Uh, it's a small-scale study. There are 14 participants, uh, and they study across disciplines at two different institutions with quite different research profiles. So yeah, I'm interested in my doctoral research about examining how women experience doctoral study um, and particularly looking at the career aspirations of individuals and how they change. And as I said, I've kind of got this interest in why women. Um, studies have been done by the Royal Society of Chemistry and Wellcome Trust that kind of highlight that there is a gender difference in post-PhD career aspirations. So interested in why women are less likely um, to pursue an academic career after doing a PhD than men. So I thought uh, this is something that you probably have come across if you've been um, looking at PhDs at all and the kind of experience of doctoral study. I found this and I thought it kind of summed up quite well both my own experience but most people's experience of doing doctorate, I think, actually. Um, so the expectations around doing a doctorate and the reality can often be quite different and I thought I'd kind of use this and the big question mark that I've kind of transplanted on top of there at the end um, to consider how participants in my study their expectations of the future beyond their PhD changed as a result of going through the PhD itself. So in my research, I kind of theorise and think about participants' career aspirations using possible selves theory. And I'm using it to kind of understand what participants perceive to be possible at different stages of their PhD journey um, for the future beyond the PhD. And the letters are kind of a key way in which I think about that. So participants' views of what was possible often changed quite a lot over the PhD. And in my, the in my thesis, it's kind of in progress at the moment, being a final year, 
Um, I'm kind of framing the doctorate as a site of formative experience um, in that participants' encounters with peers and academics and the culture of their research environment um, really shapes how they, what they perceive to be possible for their future. So some of the research questions that I've used within this study um, were around participants' imagined futures and how they constructed these imagined futures. So considering the kinds of things that participants imagined um, for themselves at the end of the PhD, and that wasn't necessarily always career-focused either. Um, what do they perceive as possible? And thinking about how that changes from the start to the end of their PhD. And as I've said, I've used possible selves as a really interesting way of, of thinking about these ideas of possibilities and imagined futures. So possible selves represent individuals' hopes and fears for the future. Um, Leon Darius, I'll kind of come up with this quite interesting definition, I think, which is conceptions of the self and future <coughs> states. It's quite a sort of useful overarching definition. But work done by others in this area has kind of elucidated that they relate to any aspect of life. Um, obviously, in my study, I'm particularly interested in the career possible selves, um, but other possible selves come to bear on those career possible selves as well. Um, and it's a really useful theory to use in helping to identify kind of the challenges that participants expected to encounter during the future. Um, and the future at the time of the letter writing was, was during the doctorate as well as for after the doctorate. And I think it's really important to highlight as well that these possible selves could be positive or negative. Um, and Marcus Aneurys write about that as well and linking back to sort of aspiration and motivation um, as a key part of possible selves theory. But obviously the kind of focus of my study is about careers and career aspirations and future thinking in that kind of vein. Um, so Pizzolatto actually came up with this idea of um, career-related possible selves and came up with this career possible selves phrase. Um, and they kind of highlight the aspirations, the careers that participants consider, that those that they aspire to, but importantly, the careers that they don't consider as possible as well. So... <coughs> Chalk et al. kind of talk about elaboration, which I know Sue touched on earlier. Um, and there's been some work around this, kind of looking at the ideal sort of subject, I suppose, thinking about those who are more able to elaborate and develop potential career possible selves. Um, and that's linked really strong with motivation to achieve that goal. Um, and Stevenson and Clegg um, did some really interesting work thinking about um, individuals with really elaborated career possible selves, being more likely to persist in the face of challenges to those possible selves. Um, so this is some of the literature that I'm drawing on in my study as well. But coming to the focus of today, and I hope you've all kind of got the little handout that I, that I put out for you. Um, it's a letter that we're going to discuss in a bit more detail today. Um, and I thought it's, it's quite a nice one. It's, it's quite concise. Um, it's from Harriet. I'll talk a bit more about Harriet later on, but hopefully that's given you an idea of what a letter to a future self actually is. It is a bit small. <laughs> um, I'll have it up on the screen later as well if that makes it slightly easier to read. But I wanted to talk a bit more about letters to selves and what they actually are and what they, what they can contain. And I think this idea of constructing and imagining a future self um, and even writing a letter directly addressing that future self 
is a concept that we sort of have access to already. It's within our social consciousness. Um, they've become a sort of popularised tool in recent years as a tool for motivation and kind of self-reflection. Um, and even on a popular retail website, you can buy these pre-packed um, formatted letters, including a you know pep talk to future me thing that you can post to yourself and it will deliver it to you in, in however many years or however many months. Um, but also some of you might have come across, there was a, a social, an odd sort of celebrity phenomenon a couple of years ago where Kim Kardashian did a video, diary, letter to herself in 25 years time. And that was kind of parodied a lot um, by people like James Corden, I think. But it kind of gives us this insight into this, this is a way that people think. Um, and so I thought it would be quite interesting to use it in an academic context. Um, it has been used by, by teachers in classrooms, um, sort of getting pupils to reflect on, on future goals and things like that. But it's rarely used in academic studies, other than the kind of one or two that I've pointed to in, in psychology. So I thought I'd just give an overview of how I've actually used the letters with my participants, and there's a sort of rough time frame there um, of when I collected these things. Um, the letters to pass out, perhaps I should explain that a little bit. Um, I thought it would be a really interesting sort of mirroring exercise to get students, not only participants, um, not only to write letters to their future selves um, when they just started their PhD, but towards the end of the PhD, so where we are now in our final year, to ask them to write a letter to their, their past self, so the person who would have been starting a PhD, thinking about what advice that they would give, um, yeah, the kind of things that they, they wish they'd known when they'd started all of this. Um, so I think that will provide a really interesting sort of mirrored exercise that will frame how, how differently the reality of the PhD kind of has shaped their imagined possible selves. So in terms of what I did to kind of generate this data, I gave them a sort of brief guidance note, just a couple of bullet points. I didn't want to be too prescriptive. Um, and I asked them to kind of think about their hopes for the future, potential challenges that they could foresee. Um, I also wrote a letter to the future self for myself, um, and I gave that to them. Um, I thought it would be useful because people not haven't necessarily done this kind of future writing before, um, but also it's kind of part of my reflexive practice and the idea, you know, coming from a sort of feminist uh, research background, the idea that they're sharing so much with me. I've done two sets of interviews with them. I've got these letters from them. They've also kept research diaries for me. So to kind of share my kind of experience with them. Um, so those are the things that I did in order to collect the data. And that was really with a view to kind of capturing some of their initial thoughts on the PhD and their sort of priorities for the future based on the first couple of months of them having started the PhD. And yeah, I think it's important to note that, that it was quite well received as a, as a sort of exercise for the participants to complete. Um, and a few of them said that they, they would appreciate having that to look back on in the future. So I'm thinking of these letters in a, in a way that they can construct these future-orientated narratives from a particular vantage point. Um, so they give a kind of snapshot of, of what participants aspire to. Um, but as we know, the reality of Dr. Rossini is quite different, potentially, to the imagined reality. Um, and their stories are kind of constantly under construction. Their identities are constantly under construction during this really formative time. So these narratives that they kind of elucidate in their letters are likely to progress quite differently to how they are imagined. And um, in asking my participants to 
write the letters to their past selves, I kind of prompted that by sending them their letter to their future self that they'd already written two and a bit years before that. So it's been argued by Polkinghorne and individuals in that area that individuals construct identities through narrating their own stories and that in this way we can see selves, selves themselves as narratively configured. So in this study I frame participants' possible selves um, which are shaped by their past experiences but also their present circumstances. I frame these um, possible selves as narratively constructed and Clandinley and Connolly kind of sum this up better than I can and they talk about positioning oneself in the continuum between the imagined now and imagined past or some imagined future and they argue that each point has a past experiential base that leads to an experiential future and I've used this kind of idea of narrative um, to tie in with possible selves in my thesis. So the letters that we're discussing depict these various future possible stories that participants imagine for themselves However, they're often not the stories that the participants actually end up with as a result of going through their doctorate. And using this kind of non-traditional method, I suppose, gives us an idea of the various possible narratives that, that participants imagined, um, but also gives us something to com compare back to their lived experience, if you like, of doctoral study. <laughs> So thinking about the possible selves that I kind of elicited from these letters. Um, so despite the fact that I'd, I'd given participants a sort of specific point, if you like, in the future to write to, I'd said, you know, address your future self who's finished the PhD. Um, so despite that kind of singular point in the future that I'd signposted them to, <coughs> there are actually a multiplicity of possible selves within these letters. And as I've kind of hinted already, they're not all t very career uh, focus necessarily. And I think this relates to a lot of what Sue was talking about earlier. Um, the analysis that I've did, done kind of pushes back against the way that uh, the neoliberal subject that we kind of think has a rational kind of future in mind um, and the way that universities often kind of conceptualise PhD students as career driven, very focused, um, again tying into that neoliberal agenda. And that just wasn't the case when I looked at the letters. Most of the really strongly elaborated possible selves were much more personal related than they were career possible selves. Um, so it pushes back against some of the, the literature around PhD students and their motivations for doctoral study, which frames PhD, student in this, PhD students in this particular way. So thinking about Harriet now, the letter that you have, um, bit about her, she's a doctoral student at a Brookbrook University and she's in science and she really doesn't have that many kind of possible selves that are career focused and um, just one of the scientists and it doesn't particularly seem to motivate her and I think you'll really get a sense of that if you've had a chance to, to read the letter. So she doesn't really consider any other career options at this stage and her aspirations kind of limited to the academic sphere. And by her own admission in the letter, I think this is possibly because she's conformed to all of the traditional educational steps so far, and she doesn't have any experience of working in another sector. And this does change during her PhD. So I'll put it up there. If you need a minute to read it, if it's too small for the handout, I'll just give you a, a minute to do that. Okay, hopefully that's given you enough time to have a little read through. 
So we can see that Harriet kind of constructs her career possible self as a scientist alongside and kind of in conflict with this traveller possible self. Um, so while she is not sure if her career as a researcher is actually what I want, and she doesn't have any clue about the future now, she is really certain about this desire to travel. And she thinks she'll really hugely regret not traveling while you're young. And it's this traveller possible self that's far more elaborated than the career possible self of a scientist. And it seems to really motivate her much more um, than the scientist possible self. And it mot motivates her to take a break from this traditional conforming um, pattern that she thinks she's been taking. She says that, you know, you have to do it, you have to see the world while you can. Um, and she feels that this PhD will set her up for life and that she'll be able to return. But you can see that there is there is real conflict um, in these possible selves. She really fears um, that she might end up compromising this travel of possible self um, in favour of the career possible self of the scientist. Um, and she fears this because of the challenges that she envisages in trying to get a postdoctoral position after having a career break. So hopefully that's given you a bit of an insight into the kinds of analysis that I've been undertaking of the letters. Um, and I think Harriet's a, an interesting example to have a, have a quick look at. So I've talked about the past selves already um, a little bit, um, but I think these, the combination of these letters um, does some interesting work within the longitudinal framework that I'm using. Um, and it kind of gives us this idea of comparing the imagined narratives that participants construct in their letters to the future selves with the actual narrative experience that kind of come out in the letters to the past selves. Um, so, you know, participants have commented in emails to me sending their letters to their past selves, which I'm collecting at the moment, that they found it really interesting to see how differently things have panned out for the way that they thought that they might. Um, and obviously things are still going to change. I'm kind of restricted by my own need to have my own thesis in. Um, I would collect these letters later if I could. Um, and there's potential for future work there if I can find someone to fund me. Um, in the transition from post-PhD into the early career or the outside of academia transition. Um, so that's some future work that I might do. But back to these past, past lessons to past selves. Um, they highlight the reality, I think, of the doctoral experience um, and how this has affected participants' possible selves and their initial aspirations that they came to the doctorate with. Um, and as I've said, this work is kind of ongoing. I'm collecting these letters to pass out now, and I'll need to think about how I'm going to write about them in the thesis itself. Future things for me to decide. So I'm going to be done a bit early, but hopefully you've all got lots of questions. Um, I seem to have powered through this quite quickly. Um, but thinking about contribution to knowledge, and my supervisor is quite keen I do this at this stage of my PhD, so I thought I'd better kind of include it. Um, so I think it is quite an unusual method, and for me, having two of the kinds of data in my study from the research diaries and the interviews that I've done with participants. Um, it has definitely generated data that has not come out elsewhere. Um, and I think that's, that's useful to me, obviously, but also tells us something quite interesting about data collection and the different kinds of methods that we can use to draw, on, to draw out different things from participants. And I think it makes a significant methodological contribution to the literature that does exist on um, doctoral students' aspirations and motivations um, for doctoral study. Um, and I think in terms of possible selves, um, it does make a theoretical contribution, um, as Sue was saying, kind of having these empirical, um, empirical studies really helps generate ideas about how, how possible selves can, can be used in different contexts. 
So thinking about concluding it in relation to my study um, today, it is an unusual method which is rarely used in social science research. And I think it's highlighted to me particularly how my participants have started the doctorate, not out of nowhere, not in a vacuum, but they've come in with an already imagined narrative trajectory and with many possibilities for the future. And these letters kind of shape, show how participants' past experiences shape their future, um, their possible selves. And it's, it says a lot, I think, in the letters about how far different factors of individuals' lives motivate them. So how these different possible selves, not necessarily <coughs> the career possible selves, but more personal possible selves, are motivating forces um, during the doctoral. And I think this method, it does generate a unique insight into how women doctoral students imagine their future. Um, and it's something that I would recommend need more use in an academic context. I think that's everything. Thank you.